God. I don't... Oh. Let's... Right. Get Let's get let's... this out of the bloody way. <laughs> God's sake. I'm quite proud of myself. No, I'm sure you are. <gasps> <clears throat> Greetings, culture... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Excellent. leave it in. Never. Go <laughs> <laughs> on, I dare you. <laughs> Fuck everything. Um. Spoils. Greet. <laughs> shut, shut, shut your fuck. <laughs> In comedy, timing is everything. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. Stick that in uh, your outtakes. Yeah. <clears throat> this is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analogue TV podcast that is broadcasting live from the Kremlin. Except it isn't, is it? Well, and I, I mean, don't it... know, you know, I mean, the thing is, that, and I think I said this when I, I identified it, I said, I don't know if they're actually doing this from, like, you know, the Kremlin or Red Square or even Russia. Well, is there any of those are quite unlikely. But whatever it is. Well, this was the, you know, perestroika period by this point. Yeah, and there's perestroika and then there's perestroika. I held out hope that he might gunge Lenin. <laughs> If the universe is infinite, there is a world in which perestroika reforms did allow Noel Edmonds to present the Saturday Roadshow from the Kremlin. Yeah. And it had more of a impact than even David Hasselhoff. You're did. very into you're very into multiverse theory at the moment. I am. I've, um, well, I think it's probably because, you know, Life is so endlessly, ruinously bleak. Awful. Yeah, just yeah. staggeringly awful. That the thought that somewhere maybe there's a version of me who's having a who hasn't had to watch a thirty-three-year-old episode of Noel Edmonds' Saturday Roadshow, for example. From the Kremlin. <laughs> From the Kremlin, just to pull a pull an example out of my ass. Anyway, yeah, yeah that, that is what we have been doing this week. I didn't I didn't know anything about it and I didn't look until I watched it. No, you just saw the word Noel Edmonds and mm. went right that that'll do. This this is a very yeah. one for me. I finished watching this programme around about ten minutes ago. So he's still good and angry. My takes are piping hot. <laughs> this is Noel Edmonds' Saturday Roadshow. This specific episode that we've watched was the 15th episode of Series 1. There were three series of 16 episodes each between 1988 and 1990. I'm so glad that I was always doing something. 
at that time on a Saturday at that <laughs> age. Because, I mean, this was, what, Saturday tea time, Saturday early evening? Yeah, well, it was. this was the absolute sort of centre of the early evening so, programming yes, on BBC. Somewhere around six or seven o'clock. And, uh, yeah, I guess between 1988 and 1990, I always had something better to do than to be sat in front of the TV watching Noel fucking Edmonds. But you have to remember that he bestrode that time slot like a colossus for nearly two decades well yeah but there, there will be a, a brief history lesson on that coming up anon this particular episode aired on the 10th of december 1988 do you know how old that makes noel edmonds go on he was 39 fuck off he was a couple Jesus. of weeks off of his 40th birthday at the time nine Al- years younger than me. although and this is something that I learnt today in researching this. Noel Edmonds' Saturday Roadshow wasn't live. Oh, right, okay. It was a recorded show. Oh, OK. One of the things about Noel's house party, which sprung pretty much fully formed from Noel Edmonds' Saturday Roadshow, it was live and therefore it had more sort of interactivity options. I mean, yeah, th- this is clearly proto-house party. Oh, it's it's. I mean, everything, everything is already more or less in place. There's no gotcha. It needs a better conceit than basically spending an hour being shitty about another country. <laughs> yeah, the, this is the first series of Saturday Roadshow. I think by the third series, it had pretty much it was in all but name Noel's house party. It's just they didn't have to go to a different okay. S- They didn't have to build a new set every week. No one else watched anything else on Saturday evenings. It Mm. seemed that was the sort of cultural juggernaut that Noel Edmonds was for for a lot of for a long time. Now, this is I mean we're on the tenth of December nineteen eighty eight. In December nineteen eighty eight, although he's just coming to the end of what has been, I think, a reasonably successful series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saturday Roadshow. Noel Edmonds' stock isn't particularly high mm-hmm. in Britain or on the telly at this point. Well, yeah, you know, one, one could say I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, possibly, but of course it all stemmed from the inauspicious end of the programme that he'd had before that, between 1982 and 1986, the Late Late Breakfast Show, mm-hmm. which notoriously... <laughs> came to an end after a member of the public who was taking part in a stunt for the segment of the programme they called Give It A Whirl. (laughs) Yeah. I I quite like that. The segment of the programme being called Give It A Whirl. And unfortunately, Michael Lush did give it a whirl and was rehearsing a stunt called Hang Em High. I shouldn't be laughed. Which involved bungee jumping from a box that was suspended by a crane 120 feet in the air, and the right. box was the box was exploding. Now this didn't go right in the rehearsal, and as you may appreciate, something not going right from that height is usually bad news for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so it proved for Michael Lush, who died instantly. Well, that's something at least. And Noel Edmonds, to be fair to him resigned immediately 
And that was the end of the Late Late Breakfast Show. So this is Noel Edmonds trying to rebuild his stock in many ways because it took something of a hit. And it wasn't this... the. It was the first person who died as a result. But there had been injuries. Um, there was a stunt driver who broke his pelvis trying to jump a 230-foot... Uh, I'm not sure whether it was cavern or buses or whatever. Mm-hmm. At, at 140 miles an hour. Everybody's all right. The car's gone. The car went into the crowd, but nobody's hurt. Nobody's hurt. Well, a reassuring assurance, or was it? (laughs) And... In 1983, there was a woman called Barbara Sleeman who broke her shoulder after being shot out of a cannon. (sighs) Now, I mean, light entertainment (laughs) being what it is. I I I can tell you where I was because I've just spent a minute looking it up. Okay. And on Saturday the 10th of December 1988... Oh, good grief. Yeah. I went to... Dulwich Hamlet against St Albans City at the old <laughs> uh, Champion Hill ground, which was a vast, crumbling non-league ground. Attendance 210, Dulwich 1-1-0. <laughs> is, so that, if this... is that any kind of excuse for missing Noel Edmonds' Saturday run? The, well, the coach used to leave uh, at half past five. Yeah, well, so you'd have time yeah. for a you'd have time for a pint after the game. I didn't. I, well, I did drink booze, but I just didn't. I didn't drink booze at the football um, when I was when I was sixteen. You know, and I was I was a very very small, childlike looking sixteen as well. Wow! So you know, <laughs> oh, hey, calm your breeches. You know. I just laid an egg. Check your hard drive. Um, <laughs> Loads of pictures of you as a 16-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where they all went. But, um... <laughs> Loads of pictures of you as a 16-year-old in short shorts. And then, e- and then every episode of Noel Lippmann's Saturday Road Show. That's all that's on my hard drive. But no, anyway, so... Right. So the coach would leave at about half past five. And if it's coming up from South East London, we probably would not have got back. I wouldn't have thought until seven o'clock to the ground. Yeah, And no one in that coach is saying, step on it, driver, yeah. so that we can all be home in time for Noel Edmund Saturday Roger. Hi thee, driver, as fast as these wheels can carry us, for I wish to be home for Noel Lippmann's Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be really shitty about the Russians tonight. Yeah, he's gonna he's it from the Kremlin. It's, yeah. it's gonna be unbelievable. I I would estimate that I wouldn't get home and probably until about eight o'clock, and that motherfucker ain't on TV at eight o'clock. No, it's hard. To categorise exactly what sort of a programme this is. I mean, obviously, to us, well, certainly to me, who grew up watching this, it is an unbelievably familiar format because Noel Edmonds was presenting this programme, basically, 
every Saturday evening for 20 years on the well, yeah, BBC. I mean, I'm not going to say for a minute that there wasn't a period, you know, when I watched Noel's House Party, because of course there was. Yeah, I mean, it's completely familiar. But at the same time, when you actually try and pin down what it is, what function it's serving... It's very difficult to do. It's well, not, it's, it's it's not. It's, I mean, it's light entertainment, yeah, but it's not really a comedy show. And if it is meant to be a comedy show, I've got news for you. I'm rubbing my <laughs> temples. There are five listed writers. Fuck's sake! Five, five, five people. It took to write this. I am. I am. I was rubbing my temples at the recollection of. The number of times that Noel Edmonds deliberately corpsed <laughs> to sidestep the fact that there was no joke. Let's talk about Noel Edmonds, because I think Noel Edmonds is a remarkable figure in British TV lore, British TV history. That's he's not the, the word f- I'd use. He's the first, I mean, as far as I really can think, he's the first really, really huge Saturday night TV show host who had nothing, which is to say, you got Paul Daniels on. He can do a bit of magic. He can tell a few jokes. Mm. You got Bob Monkhouse on. He can tell a few jokes. He can present a TV program. He's quite charming. He's you know Bruce Forsyth, song and dance man. He yeah. can play the play the piano. Will want to be in charge. Will want to be in charge. Can tell a few jokes. Matthew Kelly, you know, song and dance man, tell a few jokes. These are all people who had other strings to their bow. Noel Edmonds, I think, is the first real big hitter on sort of this sort of type of family entertainment who just doesn't have anything. He what he has is the fact that he is Noel Edmonds. And I think the only person who even comes close in that regard, is probably Chris Tarrant. But Chris Tarrant never had a a big hit like this. Although, obviously, you know, Tiz Was does inform a certain amount of uh, of what goes on in Noel's programmes. Yeah, I mean, Tarrant is a broadcaster. You know, he does a wide range of light entertainment programmes. Of course, so is Edmund. You don't get Tarrant in for specific qualities you've got him in for the breadth of what he can do yeah you well, you get him in because he's tarrant and you know what yeah. you're getting with tarrant yeah and, and i think that and you, and he can t- he can kind of turn his hand to anything within that field edmonds is nowhere near as versatile he they put him down in different types of program but that's not to say he's particularly any good at them and my key objection to Edmonds is the way he treats the general public with such contempt. Yeah. Uh, I was watching last week, the end of last week, an episode of Top of the Pops from, it was either 1978 or 79, I think it was 78, and Edmonds was hosting it. And there was a point in it. At which he just kind of blanked a woman that he was talking to <laughs> to cut away to the next song. She, I think, and the thing is, she like it was like she, she kind of talked back a little bit, you know. Oh, you shouldn't do that. She gave, she offered some resistance. 
And it was just, I was like, and the thing is, as soon as you see something like that, you can't unsee it. So I went back and looked at some other clips of Edmunds from that period. And yeah, it was like a regular occurrence. It was, I wasn't imagining it. Your eyes had now been opened. Yeah, and by th- and by this period, he is in, there's kind of three stages of Edmunds. The three ages uh, well, of Edmunds. Well, four really, but the fourth is more like an afterlife. <laughs> um, in the first one, he's like your top of the pops host, and yeah. he seems to hold the audience in some degree of contempt. In the second stage, he's this guy doing this thing, this Saturday fucking what roadshow thing, contemptible idea, born of cretins, <laughs> absorbed by people who are beneath my contempt. but I digress by this period that contempt has now spilled into just like gunging people for no reason there was this woman on the stage she'd just done this quiz with Gillian Tailful spoiler alert they won this quiz they did it they did what they said they do she won a fryer a food mixer and a portable television and then I looked away for like three seconds. If there was an explanation, I missed it. But then he just gunged her. And I well, was sitting back because I was sitting watching it going, what What did she do to merit that? I thought she just won. If she'd lost this, if she'd lost that quiz thing, then fair fucks. Gunged them, I suppose, if, if you know, if that's what gets you off. But, <laughs> the, the, and, and I think that things like that feed into this kind of, coarsening of society in a broader sense. I don't know whether he's a symptom or cause. I think that this gets sucked into people. This is the thing, you see. You know, you do absorb the influences of the shows you watch on TV. And if 15 million people were watching this, then the idea that it's okay to prank people for your own entertainment and the entertainment of others when that person has done nothing Well, I think it also feeds into, I mean, remember the famous segment from The Word, I'll do anything to be on television. Yeah. It feeds into that sort of, well, you know, you can come and be on Noel's house party, but there will be, you know, probably ritualistic, tribalistic ceremonies. It's just like I say. Degradation and humiliation, be it you know, non-Newtonian fluids, or be it us asking your children personal questions and seeing what they say. I mean, at this stage, like I say, stage one is the flickering. Stage two is is, is the kind of erupting into flame. Stage three, which is where he gets to with Noel's house party. Yeah. Is, now he thinks, now he can take on celebrities. Well, yeah, that's the that is very much the difference that I noticed between Noel Edmonds' Saturday Roadshow and Noel's House mm-hmm. Party is that because it was live and because it had such a big audience, the, mm-hmm. you know, celebrities are queuing up around the corner. Yeah, because you know, I mean, they'll take any publicity they can get. Yeah, and the thing is, and the thing is that it's that it's like a kind of escalation, isn't it? You know. Because he's still doing it to the fucking general public as well. But no, 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 no. It's all about the celebrities now. And then, of course, you get to stage four. 
of the Edmunds Broadcasting Pile. Rhombus. The rhombus of Edmunds. Which is the point at which he goes to far. At the moment, there's uh, about 140,000 people supporting Joe. There's a 7,000 named petition. We invited the council to come on the show. They declined. Their head of press, Jim Vandenbos, actually said, we don't talk to entertainment shows like yours. Well, actually, Mr Vandenbos, I've got a message for you. Don't simply think this is an entertainment show and decide then that you don't want to talk to us. Because Mark Prince and the fight against knife crime didn't just turn around and dismiss us as an entertainment show. Actually, I created this show. I do not get paid a penny to do this show. I decided, no fee, I wanted to put my heart and soul into it because I want to fight people like you and your council because I think you're at the heart of what is wrong with this country. If He does that TV show, doesn't he, where he gets, where he kind of starts really, like, picking on councils and yeah, says, he could buy, says he could buy the BBC. <laughs> and, you know, and, and opens a Mr. Blobby-related theme park, which fails he and did, now sits in. Have you ever seen that, the pictures he? of that? It's amazing. No. Do, do look it up. There's a, he, Because it's, it's still there. They've never built over it, so it's just been sitting just, derelict just for years. Away. Yeah. Wow. The fourth stage is the most satisfying one. And it's kind of tempered by a little bit by deal or no deal, which was... His last kind of, um, yeah. his last stages of sanity. And then, of course, it just goes on to the, the the very end of it. And he's selling whatever the hell it is he's selling to people who are suffering. All this stuff that he claims can cure you of cancer. All that sort of thing. That's what he does now, isn't it? All I did is ask a question. I continue to ask the question. Find out as much information. If you get a diagnosis like mine, don't accept the first doctor's view. Don't accept convention necessarily. Get as much information as possible and hopefully you will get the right result. I agree. We don't understand energy. That's why we've got quantum physics. That's why we've got a bunch of people in CERN trying to understand it. The medical profession can't even define the exact definition of health. But I am encouraging people, please, don't do what my father did and die of ignorance. Mm. I could have gone down the same route. I believe pulsed electromagnetism has a role to play Mm. in tackling cancer, and I will always believe that. He's a big believer in that, um, what's it called, cosmic ordering. Yeah, and and Lloyd's Bank. Is he furious about Lloyd's Bank or something? He's usually furious about something. Yeah, he's... He's a strange one in so many ways. But the weirdest way of all is the way it's gone this last few years. Yeah. I think the irony with the stages of Edmunds, as you have now termed it, Mm -hmm. is that when he gets to stage three Edmunds and he's surrounded by celebrities and he's at the peak of his yeah, powers. No one's going to... There, there is a period, there's a window when no one can say no to him. There is a period at which he probably could have bought the BBC but it was significantly before he claimed he could buy the BBC. That third stage, despite the fact that he's surrounded by celebrities, is the stage of rampant egomania, isn't it? 
This is mm. peak Noel. This is I'm in charge. He was in charge. And there's, I think, one of the big differences that I spotted in this programme is there's a bit more room for other people given. I mean, lest we forget that early on, he slinks off the stage entirely and, and gives it over to an act, a variety act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a terrible variety act. Oh, it well, really, now really, really blows goats. Now, hang on now. Wait a minute. That's the two marks that we're talking about. They were they were a pretty big deal in 1988. And, in, of course, one of the marks... I wouldn't know is, I was at football. Yeah, well, one of the marks of the two marks was, and indeed still is, Mark Heap. Really? Yes. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Stop that... The Russian Revolution, <laughs> What is the meaning of all this bourgeois decadent rubbish? Well, this is my big chance. I appear brilliantly on British television. I stow away in Comrade Edmund's trailer. And Ivan's your uncle. I am given political asylum in England. Shut your collective trap, comrade Blabbermouth. You want everybody to know. I don't care. I've got to go. I've got to go. What, why? What's the matter? Have you got the Trotskys? There's a, a space given for, to other performers that I think was absent in Noel's House Party. Noel's House Party was just this programme on cocaine. Um, everything is. Everything has to be bigger and faster and more colourful and brasher, and have more ambition and more budget. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's definitely true. And to be fair, they did actually. I think it is fair to say whether you're, you're a fan of it or not, it has set the paradigm ever since in British TV. If you're going to do a prank. If you're going to have a gunge tank, if you're going to do a live phone call, these are the standards that you have to match because they they are they are the standard in in British TV. So you it's know, so low. It's it's a low it's a low bar. I give you. I, I mean, the thing is that the first that. ten or fifteen minutes of this program are just this bewildering array of. Just things happening which yeah. don't have anything to do with each other. There's no theme running through it no. apart from the fact that it's all Russian related yeah. and, and really terrible puns and shit jokes about larders and skodas. It's fucking skodas, man. He makes a joke about skodas. He does. They're not even fucking Russian. Yeah, and I think joke, you know, jokes about the KGB spying on you. Are, uh, it's all very well and good. It's completely lazy. Yeah, I think do, doing jokes about people having to queue up for things. It's a yeah, it's a bit, sh- it's a bit shitty, isn't it? It is it really? a bit shitty. Well, you know, there but there but for the grace of God, go you. Here's the here's the thing. I don't know if we've covered this on this podcast before, but I went to the Soviet Union. Yes. Have we have we done that in this podcast before? I don't I think you've may have mentioned it in other podcasts, but not necessarily in this. We okay. don't get a lot of chance to talk about the Soviet okay. Union. Okay, oh, yeah, in, fair uh, enough. Yeah, fair enough. I lost my virginity. <laughs> <There>. <laughs> 
<laughs> true. Was it to a Russian? Was it to a Russian lady? Nah, no, 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 no. So you're just importing your own women? It was a school trip, sixth form trip. Oh, I'm so gl- I'm so glad that you said school trip rather than school girl. Well, it well it kind of was, but she was a six. She was a sixth form. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. It is all right to lose your virginity to a schoolgirl if you a are school, also a school boy. of school age. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think I was about. Unless you're both under sixteen, in which case you shouldn't do it. Probably but the chances not. of you being under sixteen listening to this podcast are fairly low. Uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> to be honest with you, for all the trouble it causes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. So, I mean, there's. Given your <laughs> recent history, I'm surprised you didn't knock her up. Frankly, no, there might true. there mm. might be there might be a baby Ian running around who's nearly as old as me. <laughs> <laughs> it might be me. Imagine that. I don't. I don't like the thought of that. No, it's a terrible thought. Um, but, but yes. But, you, but, so but, what, year, anyway, what year were you in the Soviet Union? This was um, at the end of February, beginning of March. Uh, 1990. So about about 14 months after this program. Uh, yeah, it's it was a very odd time because the Berlin Wall had already gone. Yeah. But nobody quite knew then what still what was going to happen with the Soviet Union. I don't think that the independence movements have become unstoppable juggernauts by this point. I certainly didn't get that impression. But then again... You had your mind on other things. Yeah, I didn't know very much about it. <laughs> and I had my mind on other things, yeah. Fancy <laughs> going... Fancy, that's the most interesting uh, and, and, and culturally and politically relevant place that you will ever find yourself in in your entire life. And you spent the old time... Not the whole having... time, one night. <laughs> one night. One night, though. Hang on a one minute, hang on a minute. Heaven. We went to see the Bolshoi Ballet. We okay. went to the Winter Palace in uh, Leningrad. Uh, uh. We went to the, uh, to the Soviet Museum of Space. We went to Lenin's Tomb and St. Basil's Cathedral in Red Square. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a seven-day-long Knobfest in a communist country. <laughs> God's sake! Didn't even see out the window. Yeah, could have been anywhere. Could have been, anywhere. Could have been in real. Yeah, but um, the thing is that we were in when we were in Moscow. It it was very very evident and obvious how bad things were. Um, the McDonald's there had just opened. And we went past it in the coach going from A to B one day. And um, there was a queue of people right the way round it. We we drove around three sides of it because it was kind of next to a square. And just people queued right the way around it. You can see there's photos of it on, on the internet. We went to this school and they introduced us to these Russian kids. And they were a couple of years younger than us. But they told us before we went to take tapes or whatever we could with us, take them a gift of some sort. So I just ended up taking about like 10 or 11 cassettes and they were so fucking and crazily grateful. It was almost kind of a bit embarrassing. I was just like, I just want you to have like a load of stuff. We went to Gum, which is the big 
department store in the centre of Moscow. And all the shelves were like boxes with buttons and bits of needle and bits of like material in them. Uh, we went to the electronics department and uh, they had like these ancient looking black and white TVs with dials on the front of them. I turned one and it came off in my hand. I thought the KGB were going to swoop. But I just pushed it back into place and slightly wonky and just walked off whistling. <laughs> it was it was obvious and it was clear. You could, you know, it was there in, in, right in front of you. It, the, the, the whole place, I came back from it. I, I, I don't think I've ever really been a communist. But... <laughs> About 80% of any positive feelings that I did have over communism uh, or even really, you know, more severe socialism disappeared with that week, you know? Uh, so it, it was it was a fundamental... It's not a place that I would have been taking the piss out of if I knew no. anything about it. I'll put it that yeah. I'll put it that way. And and the thing is, I mean, you could say that it was all mysterious, but they knew enough about it to make a joke about people queuing up. Yeah, they didn't stop to think. Oh my god, how awful. you've you've not got you've not got deniability there. You've mm. made a joke about people queuing up. You've made a joke about how shit larders are. Yeah, you're punching. You are punching down. You're quite right to suggest that the beginning of this program was just a hodgepodge. I think it it harkens back a little bit to his radio roots <sighs> there's lots of there's lots of trails for things that are coming up there's also little bits of oh do you remember this fun thing that we did last week what in, is this in lieu of making new content yeah just I mean, showing us stuff that went down well last week yeah it's i don't know it's supposed i think it's supposed to be slick i think that there was this tendency with TV presenters to think that they could make it big in America. I mean, Edmunds had a show in America, briefly. Did he? Yeah, chat show, I think. Wow. So, you know, he, he, he tried and rent, but of course they get out there and it's like, who the fuck is this idiot? You know, they see straight through it because they've got real, true professionals. It is a valid question. And uh, you you can't be slick and nothing else. Yeah. And the thing is that Edmonds isn't even particularly slick. Be better than that. If you're going to earn the sort of money that he was on in 1988, if you're going to aspire to break America, if you're going to try and buy the fucking BBC, if you want to... If you think you've found a cure for cancer that no one else has and you're flogging it, if you're going to do all this... Sh- fucking crazy stuff then you've got to have something to back it up and he's got fuck all (laughs) you know i don't follow how so many ended up in his thrall he doesn't have any strings to his bow other than being noel Edmonds. yeah he invites people celebrities onto house party just to belittle them i mean fucking tony blackburn man (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I get that he was a bit of a joke and all the rest of it, but fucking hell, Blackburn, have some self-respect. Well, how? why did they, why did they do this? Perhaps he just doesn't, um, presumably he just doesn't care. 
what people think of him. I think that's a very reasonable... The only thing that I can think, which is as somebody who desperately cares what other people think of them, I find that totally and utterly bemusing. (laughs) That must... Your life must be hard. It's so... It's (laughs) so difficult. It's so difficult. All I crave is the validation of others, and I don't get it anymore. Yeah, well, good luck with that. But, I mean, the the programme... In terms of in terms of Noel's house party, that this that was a much tighter operation than this. This is a bit like a sort of a court circular, a village fate. The first half of the program is bits of stuff that we saw last week, bits of stuff that's that are coming up later that don't actually come up later, and then there's a truly bizarre segment where they're trying to collect top ten souvenirs, which is just tat. Just showing off tat like they're on That's Life. You know, a lobster nose, extendable cocktail glass, waste paper bin that looks like a lady's bottom. It, you just think, well, is what sort of show is this? And, you know, re- just, just yeah. the idea of someone's written a letter what? to the to a show on Saturday night primetime on the BBC yeah. and someone's reading it out. Yeah. What's the remix? You know, well, exactly. The, and then the, it the, cut... the BBC opted to go all in on ratings, even though they don't fucking need to. They well, made yeah. that decision that they would chase ITV for Saturday nights. Yeah, you know, they made they made that decision. So you've got to get it right. Yeah, and this was getting it right in terms of the numbers. But I don't think it says very much about the BBC that that's mm. what their priority is to such an extent that well, they will put out this absolute garbage. But this is this is actually this is what Barbara Sleeman said in 1983 is that the BBC don't care that all they're interested in is the ratings. So this is this was the woman who broke her shoulder being shot out of a cannon. Yeah. I would argue that Barbara Sleeman there's a certain amount of culpability on her side there too. But she's already calling it a year into the Noel Edmonds stranglehold, which, as I say, lasted from 1982, which is when the Late Late Breakfast show started, until the end of Noel's house party. Do you know when that was? 1999-ish? 26th of March, 2000. Yeah, there you go. So... She's already saying, well, I got shot out of a cannon. Yeah. And uh, nobody, no one cares. They they shot me out of a cannon to get ratings. Yep. And I think when they did the uh, inquiry, the coroner's inquiry into Michael Lush, they found there had been a certain amount of negligence, not criminal negligence, but negligence on behalf of the production team. The one thing that I would say about the uh, Michael Lush case is that by any reasonable standard, that should have ended his career in television. Yeah. He shouldn't have ended Michael Lush's career in television. He shouldn't have been back a year later with a different format at the same time. That's some fucking hot bullshit is what that is. Is the difference here... The fact that it didn't happen on air. I think that that is uh, a big, 
a big part of it. I think had the had the accident happened on air, that probably would have been it. Well, then I guess the next question is, is that really the measure that we should be using? <laughs> well, that's a very good question indeed. Because to me, whether it happened on air or in rehearsal, a man lost his fucking life for this crappy light entertainment show. Wouldn't have been justified, yes. obviously, whatever type of show it was. And then a year later, or whatever it is, two years later, he's back. And it's just a he's different back, format. Yeah, less stunts. Less stunts, more pranks. If I was Michael Lush's widow, say, I I don't know what my reaction to that would be. I don't think I could be held responsible for it. And I find it astonishing that this just he just proceeded to then become a titan of broadcasting until his own fucking madness and his own hubris consumed him. Kind of Shakespearean. It's Shakespearean, it is. isn't it? King Lear. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a story for the ages, a cautionary fable about knowing one's place. I don't want to say that I'm past caring because I really fucking hate that wank (laughs) and the the thing is that I hadn't seen him in any capacity for such a long time I'd seen him in Top of the Pops a lot but that's 70s Edmunds you know he he looks like that's stage one he looks like a bit of a pillock He's got the hair of an Afghan hound. Yeah. And, you, you know, he, he's usually fairly well turned out, to be fair to him. But sometimes he looks like a fucking idiot. And, like I say, you know, he does tend to, like, cut the people off a little bit. And he's he, sometimes he's a bit shaky with his lines, gets things wrong, tells jokes that don't land, you know. That's pretty standard Top of the Pops presenting at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and then you cut to now, and <laughs> he's still there, unrepentant. And there has to be a point at which natural justice somehow is served. <laughs> and I don't know what form that takes that would be considered humane by a just society. Well, I think uh, that's a very apt point at which to leave our discussion of Noel Edmund Sadi Roadshow. A program you chose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a fair comment. I, I tell you what, I'm exhausted. <laughs> You're not not a fan. Uh, no, I was not. No, I mean, it's a load of old rubbish. Yeah, it's the mayor of Kiev with a chicken on his head. God, yeah, the mayor of Kiev, who was a man sitting in the studio audience with a rubber chicken strapped to the top of his head. Yeah, if that's that's, your, that, that's the idea, their idea of what constitutes physical comedy in this show. <laughs> load of old shit. Absolute, it was a load of old shit. Total, complete, and utter cack. So then, what is your what 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 good things have you been watching to ameliorate this? Have I been? What watching... are your creamy creamy centers? Well, creamy center thing. The first. Let's, okay. you know, keep it real. Is that okay. I've got a new TV. So, so you just like, when you've not been watching TV, you've just been I've looking been, at but, the TV. Well, um, in 
about January, I think it was January, my kids threw something at the TV and cracked the screen. God almighty. So in the intervening two months, we brought down the 32-inch from upstairs. And, I mean, you've been in my living room in my house. You know where the sofa is. Well, the thing is, if you sit on the end of the sofa... You just, it's too far away. I was playing FIFA and uh, last week this was sometime and I was having to squint to see what was going <laughs> on on the pitch. It was just too far back. So I needed to get a new TV and I had to hang on until I had the money. Always wise. But then I had the money and so I bought it. It's, it's, it's actually, I went conservative, really. Because I realise that there is a possibility... That my kids could crack the screen on this one as well. Yeah, uh, that that I would say is a reasonable assumption. So with that in mind, there was no point in me dropping a grand, say, on a new no. ULED TV with a high knit yep. rate that does all this fancy stuff. And would, no, to be, you'd be fair... better off dropping a grand on a hitman to take the kids out. Yeah, And yeah. then dropping a grand yeah, yeah. on... <laughs> But that's two grand. That's two grand, yeah. You know, TV. This TV cost me two grand. A grand for the TV. It's they're exhausting at times. So, what have you been watching on this television? Well, over the last couple of days on this particular television, not very fucking much because I've been at work and the kids have been running around like idiots. Last night, I had something that I wanted to write about Kenneth Wollstonehole. And then this evening, you've had to watch Noel Edmonds' Saturday Roadshow. And tonight, I had to watch that. So I haven't really had much of a chance to watch it yet. <laughs> tell you what I did watch on the night before the TV arrived. I watched an episode of Arena about the history of jukebox jewelry. Oh boy! And I watched. Okay. And I watched because I was grimly fascinated by it. The first half hour of the 1989 comic relief, which is on YouTube in full, oh. three hours six minutes. Why? Why? I mean, I know that we celebrate YouTube for all of its bizarre glories. But there, there comes a point where you think, have we gone too far? I, oh, I also dear. watched an episode of Razzmatazz. Oh, for fuck's sake. Tees television 1980s kids music programme. Okay. What sort of... When you say kids, what's... Uh, you're like teens? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so not preschool. Because preschoolers' music programmes are quite lame. No, 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 no. no. It, it was very dated and I didn't much enjoy it. And I was only kind of half watching it, but uh God, you're having a lot of luck with TV at the another, moment. No, another twenty minutes filled. The, <laughs> oh, the onward slow march, slow decline the, to the, the grave. Onward march towards <laughs> death's week. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know whether or not my creamy centres are as stark and existentialist <laughs> and filled with nihilistic dread as yours, but but, um, but give this, it a go. <laughs> This week, I watched Circuit, which is a documentary about the last four races of the 1981 Can-Am motor racing season. Fuck it out. It's not, it's not great. I'll be honest with you. There are several tropes into which 
documentaries about motor racing can quite easily fall. Yeah. Uh, and this one managed to check more or less all of the boxes. Oh, that's a shame. Well, it is a shame. I mean, actually, it's a shame. It's probably... For you. It's as a result of... Well, no, I mean, it's a shame for me, yeah. But it's it's. I think they, <laughs> they build saying. them. They build them. They, they make them like this, to, I think, to try and make it an item of sort of broader interest rather than being a, about the the actual racing you know they turn it into some sort of cathedral of personality and boobs and hijinks boobs you say boobs yeah right. there's always boobs oh, okay. on, on display i like boobs uh, i'll tell you what right <laughs> we've done a lot of podcasts yeah in this horrible series damn straight and have we seen any boobs yet we saw Kate O'Mara's side boob. What actual? Yeah, I don't well, think we have. I, mean, it... I don't think we have. I haven't seen any peen either. For those who are, you know, oh well, you're, ne- you're never going to see concerned about equal yeah. representation. You well, know, no you're, peen. If you're concerned about equal no representation, you are never going to see any peen. Oh. It's just the way it goes. For some reason, that's like the final taboo. Yeah, but or. But I mean, in today's this is why episode, Pete, this is why linear television died. Well, you don't think, you don't yeah, have this I mean, trouble on the internet. As much pain and as many boobs as you want, and loads of other things as well. I think there's a chance that maybe the internet did for Noel Edmonds' TV dynasty. You know, that sort of fragmentary nature of it. You just pick the bit from Noel's house party that you're interested in, and just go and look at that. He's a wretched human being. If it's boobs, then. But there were there were boobs in Noel Edmonds' Just Saturday Roadshow. Just imagine. There was a page three gap. There, oh yeah, they, there was. They cut the boobs out so yeah, that you could so use that you them could, as Yeah, holes. so you could do your yeah spying on your neighbours. Yeah. Just imagine Noel Edmonds with boobs. Sweet Mary and Joseph. Alright. I think I think that must be that must be enough. I've had enough Edmonds. We've been talking yeah, about yeah, Edmonds yeah. for longer than I ever want to talk about him cumulatively over the course of the rest of my life. It was his second appearance on the on this podcast. Yeah, and who's going to be the next to drop him? <laughs> I was actually. I have to confess, knowing the Edmonds oove as I do, I'm a little bit disappointed that there wasn't someone else who's been in another one of our podcasts popping up. Yeah, but no such like, unless Linda Barron was in. I don't think no, Linda Barron's been in anything did. we've seen. No. Because obviously, you know, hello. Or Bill Pertwee. Nurse. Well, exactly. But 
I mean, we got we got a repeat appearance for Noel Edmonds. Yeah. And now let's never speak of him again. Yeah, until the next time. Which there's, until there's the next obviously time. going to there's be. There's always going to be. And then we'll, we'll have exactly this conversation again. <laughs> yeah. So get used to that. Yeah. Next week. Yes, it's your turn. And I don't like how you suddenly gone silent. I've chosen a programme that comes from the year when you were eight rather than the year when I was eight. 1980, and I've chosen Training Dogs the Woodhouse Way. <laughs> okay. All this right. is a program that I am not familiar with, but I am aware of Barbara Woodhouse's work because of Adrian Mole. My immediate thought on Woodhouse, as I'm going to call her dismissively <laughs> since she's dead and I'm not yet. In your face! Is that I? Take that. She's one of those that I only know from her appearances on other programs. But what I do know is that I've seen her kind of crop up on a couple of things. She's not a repeat offender on this yet. Is she, she is. She will be once, once because she appeared on the three, two, one Christmas special. So of course she look did. forward yeah. to yes. so, a yeah. repeat appearance klaxon next week. You're spoiled. Spoiled is what you are. Anyway, right, that's it. Edmund's out of my life. I'm off to scrub my brain with bleach to forget but never forgive. We'll be back again at the same time uh, next week. Thanks very much for uh, listening and goodbye. Just perky just, little, just, you know, whichever whichever <laughs> style you think suits him. Listen, the, if there's one thing I know about Noel Edmonds, is you're thinking about never, it. Never, never put anything I, past. I know Noel I am. <laughs> never ever put anything past Noel. People thought Noel Edmonds was washed up when Michael Lush died. They thought he was washed up after Noel's house party ended. He was. If tomorrow Noel Edmonds appeared on this morning and said. Yeah, it's official. I'm transsexual and here's my boobs. I'm not sure I would bat an eyelid particularly because Noel Edmonds got form for just... He's got the haircut for them as well. And the beard. And the beard, yeah. Because he should never lose that beard. I don't know. The lion's mane. Just just imagine Noel Edmonds with boobs. Trying to imagine what type they'd be. I think I know. It's very difficult to oh, describe, though. <laughs> well, we'll just have to wait for your rudimentary drawings. Yeah, I'll find some photos online.